Millions of frontline workers keep our economy running and are provided with the latest technology to do their jobs. But digital adoption, especially by frontline workers, is really hard. This is Frontline Innovators. We explore how to overcome challenges and achieve success when we empower our essential workers. I'm Justin Lake. And I'm Gene Signorini. Together, we speak with experts who are leading the way and driving digital transformation to the front line. This podcast is sponsored by Skillful on a mission to help frontline workers learn and use the technology needed to succeed in their jobs. Welcome to the Frontline Innovators Podcast. I'm your host, Gene Signorini, and I'm very excited for today's episode. Today's guest is a forward-thinking, strategy-oriented leader with over 27 years of experience in healthcare, logistics, manufacturing, and IT. He began his distinguished career in technology in the U.S. Air Force and currently serves as industry principal for manufacturing, transportation, and logistics at Zebra Technologies. He was recently named one of Supply and Demand Chain Executive's 2021 Pros to Know. I'm very pleased to welcome John Worthland to the program. Thanks for joining us today, John. Yeah, thanks, Gene. Thanks for having me. I've been looking forward to this as well. Yeah, likewise, likewise. So I, I think I mentioned to you, we always like to kind of start the show off uh, right away with kind of a big question. And, and given your background, I'd love to kind of get your perspective on what you think the biggest challenge facing the deskless workforce is today. Well, I think, um, you know, obviously with the... <laughs> The increase in demand, if you think about an e-commerce space, I kind of think about an e-commerce fulfillment center, um, a lot of changes go on. Um, a lot of uh, things are happening uh, constantly, right? And, um, you know, when I when I started in logistics, you know, almost 30 years ago, you know, you printed off a paper pick list at the beginning of the shift, you, you picked your orders, and you, you were done, right? Well, well, now things are not static. They're so, they're so uh, real-time. Things are evolving. So providing as much information as you can um, into the mobile, uh, from a mobile device perspective, into that worker's hands, is um, is key, right? Because um, you, you just can't uh, you can't go and do the things that you were doing 20 years ago. Today, it's just a different um, different arena. Um, so, providing as much real time information that's in line with the workers and where they are within the facility and where they are within the order management, you know, any type of other logistical um, events is, is is key to me. Um, and that deskless worker needs that information in real time. And um, whatever we can do, put it in their hands and, and put it in their, in their uh, peripheral you know, vision is the, uh, is the best thing we can do for them. So what, is the ch- what, what do you see as the biggest challenge around that, of getting that information into those workers' hands today? Well, it's, it's, you know, it's, it's not much of a challenge anymore at all, Gene, really. Um, the biggest thing is, is putting those different, um, what I used to call siloed data sources together, right? You have your order management system. Um, you have the transportation management system of you know goods coming in and out of a of a distribution center, right? And um, then you have um, other other factors like uh, manufacturing, things like that. It's putting that information together and then marrying that with understanding where the worker is within the facility, where a resource might be, like a forklift, and more importantly, where the asset is, whether it's um, items on a shelf they're getting pulled to. Um, you know, to uh, fulfill orders or um, different types of assets and marrying that information together. So I know when I was uh, doing consulting, you know, 20 years ago, we thought it was great that we could put a pick list in row rack bin order. So a worker could take that list and they could, you know, walk and serpentine the, the shelves, you know, in a warehouse and be very efficient, right? 
Well, now with, um, you know, like I said, with the real-time nature, you know, an ore that was put in at eight o'clock in the morning has probably changed six or seven times, um, as well as, you know, the location of the items. So what we're seeing customers doing now is that it's, um, think, about, think about a football term, right? Um, you're, you're not playing one-on-one, you know, defense, you're playing, uh, you're playing zone defense, right? So a worker might own a row or two rows in a facility. So um, it's, it's a team effort. So um, I'm blasting out an order based on where that person is and within the facility. And then that, that, those assets are coming uh, from different areas within the warehouse to a staging area to come together and to get put onto a truck. Um, and, and that's the way that, that um, our customers are having to react. I mean, you think about COVID, right? Um, the biggest thing is that there's been such an increase in demand and such a decrease in labor, right? So trying to make that as efficient as possible and trying to reduce those unproductive foot traffic, if you will, or footsteps, right? Um, if I have a, a worker that's spending 30% of their time, let's say I'm just kind of throwing that out, out, out of the air, um, just walking and trying to find something or, or using a cart and taking 10 things and putting them all the way to the other end of the facility, that's a lot of unproductive time. So if I can, if I can kind of do more of a zone defense, um, we're finding a lot more efficiencies um, that our customers are gaining for that with, with less people. Yeah. Well, I'm glad. Well, I guess I'm glad you brought up COVID. I don't think anybody's really glad to talk about COVID anymore, but I think we have to. So, but, you know, I think it's relevant, which is, I mean, how has, has COVID changed how customers are kind of addressing this challenge or, or, or addressing the, um, you know, the challenge of kind of, of getting information to workers' hands? Has it accelerated the need for that? Um, you know, has it really changed things from a customer perspective? Had they been able to adopt, adapt quicker? Yes. Um, so we, uh, it's either we've adopted um, or created this um, model called the warehouse maturity model. And what it does is it kind of steps through um, technological capabilities in the warehouse from, you know, phase one going all the way through to phase five. It's kind of a, think of it as a fan shape, right? Phase one would be you know, barcoding, um, key entry, right? You might have a mobile device or maybe, you know, putting something into a mobile terminal, right? Um, so that's where a lot of our customers traditionally are. Um, but as we want to automate and get those things more efficient, you might start adding wearable devices, right? Um, and maybe voice capabilities uh, to be able to, to your picking operations. But we're seeing the really big changes in RFID, um, starting with maybe just like, all right, I want to see how I can leverage RFID to make receiving more efficient, or maybe verify when I'm putting those, you know, 100 pallets on a truck, making sure that all that stuff is actually going on to the right truck um, with a shipment verification. Um, so we're seeing a big uptick in that because um, when we I looked at a study with a, a previous client, and with RFID or passive RFID, um, we're able to actually unload a pallet um, through a portal automatically detect what's on that pallet and, you know, because you don't have to use line of sight, right, with RFID, and then direct that 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 pallet or forklift driver to go ahead and put that away in a certain row rack bin location because we're merging all those technologies together, right? And we can do three pallets of receiving, you know, automating that transaction and putting away before we can offload and kind of re deconstruct a, uh, a manual pallet um, in line of sight barcode, all the different boxes are on there. 
So those sort of things um, have been very, very um, interesting for our customers. And we see, we're seeing a lot of pursuit towards that. Um, because when you, when you look at three to one you know, productivity in, um, increases, uh, that's important right now. Um, with the labor shortage, um, it's just become not only uh, necessary to do more with less, I mean, that's an old, old term, right? And I, I kind of I kind of uh, hesitate using that term, but it's so true right now. And the other thing is um, we're also doing a lot with picking with uh, visual picking, so visual systems. So we have a product, um, uh, it's called Fulfillment Edge. So it actually provides a, a little bit of an augmented reality sort of thing where you can actually, it'll actually tell you where on a shelf to pick the items. And then when you turn around and put them in a bin, it kind of verifies as you're using barcoding, you know, with a ring scanner, verifies what you're doing. So we're seeing a lot of uptick in productivity, but even more importantly to address the labor issue is we're seeing a really quick decrease in that, um, that new employee um, learning curve, right? Um, with our fulfillment edge, we've been seeing uh, customers, new employees become fully productive within a shift. Um, whereas sometimes that may be two or three months to get somebody up to that level. Um, so that's been very important. How do we get, again, get instructions in line to a customer's or in line to a worker that is also very, very specific. Um, so instead of showing a, you know, you're, a lot of people think, all right, you're gonna put the whole WMS screen, you know, on a, on a glasses, no. What we're gonna do is we're gonna provide very detailed instructions, very much, you know, do this, do that. It's very directed, right? But it's directed based on where that person's standing and where those assets are on a shelf. Um, so it becomes very, very useful. Um, so not only does it increase productivity, um, but it becomes very simple. I call it, um, you know, kind of Fisher Price simple, if you will, is a is a good is a good term I like to use. So I, I'm glad you brought the, the um, this notion up of uh, of obviously talking about the you know la labor constraints that we're seeing now, um, and this notion of uh, time to value, employee time to value, getting employees up to speed quickly. You know, obviously our podcast is focused on the frontline workers and we talk about empowering frontline mm -hmm. workers with technology what has been in in your um in your observation working with customers what has been the reception among frontline workers to some of these technology innovations for example you mentioned some of the augmented reality and the um mm -hmm. to assist with picking I, i'd be really interested to hear your perspective on are, are they embracing this technology? Do you really feel it's empowering them? I know there are benefits for, obviously for the organization, right? To try to, right. as, as you said, you know, let's get employees up to speed quickly. Let's drive efficiency. Um, would love to just hear about, you know, how the, the workers themselves are embracing it. Well, that's really interesting, Gene, because um, a lot of times when we talk to a customer about something like augmented reality or, you know, our HD uh, 4000 glasses, right? you get that, oh gosh, we're, we're going to see this new whiz-bang toy that, you know, it just doesn't make sense for us, right? Um, but it's interesting. We, uh, we actually bring that in. The, the, head, the headset um, is actually just a pair of safety glasses with a, with a monocle on it, and you can actually see through that field. So it's not a, it's not a virtual reality sort yeah. of experience, right, where you're closed in, um, but that, there's, a, there's a wire that goes from that to a, a mobile device, you know, mobile computer. Um, you know, a lot of our different um, Zebra's mobile computers can work with that. So the application is actually on that, on that mobile computer. Um, so what's, what's neat about it is that we, we have a demo set up. So we have, um, we can bring the, those, those pair of glasses 
and we actually have a poster that kind of looks like a looks like a shelf and has some barcode stickers on it, right? And I'll tell you what, I've seen that demonstrated several times now. And 10 seconds in, the worker, whether it's a frontline worker or a manager level, they're like, wow, this really makes sense. And I think our team, um, you know, hats off to our team. They've really done it right. They made it again. So it's limited information, big font, you know, see-through. Um, they take an eye strain into consideration, fatigue, all of these different factors that are very soft factors and made a solution that's very, very palatable and very usable. And again, somebody could just pick it up, um, have very little training <laughs> and, and, and go to town, right? Um, so it, it's been it's been really nice. And then, um, you know, recently, you know, kind of advancing in our warehouse maturity model, we're also using that fulfillment edge as an orchestration layer to robotics now. So as you, you might have saw last week, um, uh, Zebra has acquired uh, Fetch Robotics as our, as our partner. So we can actually use our, our uh, fulfillment edge as an orchestration layer to now the robot can meet us where the item is being picked and provide that worker with, all right, put it into onto the robot. You know, the robots have several different form factors, right? Either, a, you know, a couple shelves or a case or even a pallet level. And they can put that on the robot. You know, the robot knows it's got it. It can either go to another place to pick up another item that somebody else is picking, or maybe it's full and it goes to a staging location. So we're seeing a lot of that really come into play. And it's not Jetsons anymore, right? It's not, um, it's not a, a um, what I call a science experiment. You know, we think about RFID um, from a capital investment perspective and, a, you know, C-level suite. I think five years ago, RFID was viewed as more of a science experiment, more of a risk, right? Mm -hmm. But the technology has become so stable and so secure and so just every day that that risk has gone away, um, as well as the, the ongoing cost of like the RFID tags, the cost of that has dropped. So, you know, getting into RFID um, for, for places where it makes sense, right? You want high value assets that are large so that you can tag them and, and, and uh, be able to see them um, is really been, I mean, the, it's just kind of a cross between demand, labor shortage and the right time. Um, we're, we're seeing a huge uptick in, in that space right now. Yeah, it certainly sounds like there's a lot of things that that you and, and Zebra are working on uh, in this area. And I think that's a great transition. I know there's there's probably a, a lot of people listening who are familiar with Zebra Technologies, given the presence in the market. There may be some who aren't as familiar, though. John, I'd, I'd love you to just take a few minutes, talk a little bit about maybe just Zebra in general, um, but also in particular, you know, your role and how you specifically help your customers kind of solve some of the challenges you described. Right. Well, you know, Zebra in a nutshell, we are really focused on capturing that edge data, right? Whether it's barcode events, um, RFID events, um, tracking uh, maybe a trailer coming into a yard, um, just tracking those assets and integrating that information um, through our, our, um, our warehouse, uh, excuse me. Um, yeah, and I can't think of the name of the term. I have to go back to that, um, but our, our platform to integrate that information back to your your backend systems, right? Um, to capture those events. So we're all about how do we capture that edge data and how do we leverage that to make our our workers uh, more productive, right? And um, what my role allows me to do is allows me to understand um, where our customers at are at from a strategic perspective, right? Where are their pain points? So a lot of times I'll work with um, 
senior level managers, directors, C-suite level. Um, and we might go through a you know, site visit. We may look at, you know, talk about the flow. So I really get to understand the operations of a customer and then sit down and talk with the, the, uh, the customer about where are your pain points or where do you see yourself going in the next one, three, five years. And then I get to help them identify, you know, here's some Zebra solutions. Here's some of our partner, our ISV partner solutions, or just solutions out in the industry in, in general that would be relevant that could help that customer um, get to where they want to go. Um, so it's been, it's a, it's a dream job. Uh, I can't wait to get here every morning. And um, it's just really fun to be able to partner with our customers at that level, instead of just being really looked at as, um, as a hardware vendor. Because um, we certainly, we certainly do our hardware, um, but I always think about you know solution first. And the right hardware is there um, that'll fit into the right solution. Well, it's interesting because when you talked about the challenge at the very beginning, John, you didn't, you didn't really, you didn't talk about it as being a you know a hardware challenge or anything. I think if I would sum it up, I think you talked about there is hey, it's you've got multiple systems, right? So there's a back end challenge of of understanding where the data is coming from, right? And then there's a front end challenge at the frontline worker level of making sure we're delivering that information to them where they work. Um, I'd love you just to expand a little bit about that, especially on the delivering information to the worker where they work. How, how do you how do you help customers um, understand that better? Well, it's it's really about um, you know fulfillment edge is a great example. Um, when you think about a, a gravity-fed pick line, right? You think about these long rows. Um, so Filament Edge knows where you are within that rack, right? So as you fill all the items from that from that rack, and it's it's almost like a, a, a checklist. It's a visual representation of those bin locations, and it gives you a very simple, you know, yellow is things you have to pick, green are things that you already have picked, and if you have a problem, it gives you a red, right? So it's visualizing, understanding where that worker is. We know what those products are on that shelf, and we know the orders that are coming through. And it's just, it's really just putting that information together so it's useful, right? Um, so when you kind of take that larger, you think about the same thing with um, with the large maybe distribution center. If I have um, items coming in off of a truck, and either I scan them or I use RFID or what have you, if I'm hooked into my warehouse management system, and I know that that's that information that that pallet is coming in via electronic, you know, EDI transaction, advanced ship notice, right? I can already know where I'm going to put that. So when I bring that through the through the portal, through the doctor, or, or some kind of a a um, a choke point, if you will, I can sense that automatically. And then with a screen in my in my, you know, on the uh, the forklift drivers, you know, forklift, or even on a mobile device, I can say, put that into this row rack bin location, right? Um, which is different than providing a big screen with a whole full warehouse management system and a keyboard and everything where that person's spending a lot of time going into different screens and things like that. This is actually saying, I want to direct this resource at this particular time because my systems are aware of what's going on at that moment and what's coming down the pipe, right? Um, the other thing that I think is very interesting is that we also um, have yard management capabilities. So we know when trucks are coming into the yard, um, which dock doors they're at. We also can understand um, GPS locations of inbound trucks. So 
if something's going to be light, let's say there's a weather um, event, you know, you think about the winter, right? There's a weather event and we know that something's going to be late. We can automatically shift that. So kind of going further on into that warehouse maturity model, we can start um, building in artificial intelligence, machine learning, and start putting in algorithms that help us take advantage of that. Um, because me as a formal, a former, you know, warehouse person, I know that every day uh, warehouse managers, operations managers are reacting to events that they're learning about, right? Um, such as weather. But if we can sense that and sense that and take advantage of that and, and train our systems to do some of those mundane things, then we can now concentrate more on how do we make things more efficient. So how, as you're designing these these systems in conjunction with your your customers, um, how do you bring in the the feedback or the perspective from um, the employees themselves, whether those are line managers, you mentioned kind of the line managers, right, who are probably the most critical employees uh, in the organization at, at that level. So how, how are you working with them as you're kind of saying, okay, here's this technology change that we are thinking about, or here are the things that we have. Um, how do you in- incorporate their, their feedback, if you will, to understand exactly um, how things will work when they're, they're actually put into the field? Well, you know, that's, that's the key, Gene, right? Um, it's the change management that goes along with, with any, any good project. Um, and, and most of the time, our, um, our projects are done through our partner channel. Um, but what's really, um, what we, we need to make sure of, it, it really any IT project. I've done a lot of program and project management in my life. And, um, you know, you, you think about the glasses, right? And you think about that person that's been there uh, working this job for 20 years. Um, you know, they, they don't know what they don't know, but they know what they do works, right? And these people that have been in those, those positions for those amount of years are there because they have pride in what they do. They have pride that they're doing the job. They have pride that they're, they're, they're doing it well. So I like to make sure that we involve those people into the process, um, understanding how we're going to leverage the technology. Um, because at the end of the day, people make projects successful. Technology doesn't, yeah. right? Technology is an enabler, but unless you have people on board, to your point, um, that project's not going to be successful, and you're going to end up with a really fancy toy that's collecting dust that's on a shelf somewhere in some CEO's you know, trophy cabinet, right? And that's not what we want. At the end of the day, we want um, the, the technology to be embraced. We want the workers to understand how that fits and how that's going to make them better um, at what they already take pride in doing. Yeah, I, I love how you phrase that, John. Um, you talk about you know, taking pride in their work. Um, they want more things to work well. And, and I, we've recognized, we've seen that as well. And I think there's often um, a misperception that there's a resistance to technology in the field. Right. And it's some stubbornness that says, Oh, I, you know, like you said, we, they, they've been doing things a certain way and they've been doing them well. And it's not that they just don't want to change because they're lazy or, you know, or stubborn. It's, it's because, you know, I think there's a, an anxiety perhaps, right. That technology could actually get in the way if it's not done correctly. Right. And, um, and so I, I like how you kind of talked about that, which is, I think if you continue to embrace the the worker in the process, right. And they can help shape and define how it, how it's going to be, then, then there's always, you know, it's always going to be on a path to success. Um, rather than failure. Um, 
I think this is also, you know, one of the things we've, we, you know, that's a buzz, a buzz term around kind of the industry these days, future of work, right? I think everybody is talking about um, the future of work. I think particularly in, in light in a post COVID world right now, a lot of companies are kind of rethinking what work looks like. Um, but, you know, you talked a lot about automation. You talked about uh, a lot about robotics, you talked about RFID, you talked about all of these, these technologies, which have the potential to dramatically change what work looks like in, uh, in a warehousing facility, right, or in, in, um, you know, for, uh, for a worker in that environment. You know, I'd love to kind of get your perspective in terms of how do you see, how do you see your companies thinking about the future of work, your customers thinking about future work? Mm -hmm. And secondly, if we are introducing all this technology, how do the jobs change for some of these workers within these environments? Right. Well, I think there's, you know, a couple of things there, Gene. And, and when we talk about this warehouse maturity model, there's, there's five phases from, again, from kind of just data entry, barcoding, all the way through to artificial intelligence and machine learning. And one point I want to make sure that people realize um, on the audience here is that not every customer will need to go to phase five, right? Based on what their what their strategic goals are, they may be happy just having barcoding and maybe a little bit of RFID is, is what they need, right? Um, but when you think about, you know, about very busy e-commerce sites, um, they're really looking at going, to, you know, going all the way, you know, to artificial intelligence and machine learning. And depending on where they are, you know, where they are in the market, they may go from phase one all the way to phase four you know, in, in one shot, or some customers, you know, want to go, um, you know, take one bite of that elephant at a time. So, um, you know, we think about robotics and we think about um, people automatically think, great, a robot's going to take my job, right? But it's funny, um, those ro robots are really just saving a lot of that unproductive foot traffic that we referred to earlier in the, in our session here today, right? So if, um, and it also, it also ties into the whole labor force. Um, so just think about this. Um, I was um, in, a, in a facility in Lehigh Valley, um, Pennsylvania. Lots of distribution centers in a very small radius, right? Um, and, and this poor company was competing for resources and they were you know, jumping ship to make another 10 cents an hour across the street. Well, think about it. If you have, uh, if I work in a facility, I, I, chances are I'm gonna know a lot of these people. They're gonna be my friends. You know, I, I probably known them for a while. But if, I, if I'm in, a, in an automated facility using some robotics or using that fulfillment edge, and let's say I'm walking a mile or two a day because I have some efficiencies because as a deskless worker, I've been given those tools to make my job more efficient. Um, I'm not walking as much and I have a lot more pride because I'm hitting my numbers, right? I'm able to see that quantitatively versus a friend of mine that maybe is not seeing that, not as well motivated. They don't know what they're contributing. And they're maybe walking five or 10 miles a day, right? And I'm getting the same amount of money. Well, sooner or later, word's going to spread that, hey, you know, this customer over here, I'm going to give you the same amount of money, maybe even a little, who knows, maybe a little bit more because maybe I'm getting some bonuses um, based on my productivity, right? And you're going to see that um, our customers that are, are making those work environments more efficient, capturing that edge data, um, are also becoming... Uh, much more attractive from a workplace perspective too. Yeah, I, I think that's a, you know, I, and, and 
we've talked to other other folks and, and we hear this quite often, which is, you know, depending on, you know, who you're hiring and particularly if you're um, increasingly trying to attract that next generation of, of worker coming in, I think there's a certain expectation, right, for technology in the workplace, right? Tech in, in an expectation that, listen, there should be technology in place that's going to make my life easier, right? Um, so I think that's a, a great point. You know, I, I think the other thing you, you, you have constantly talked about now saying taking away the unproductive tasks, right? Mm -hmm. And increasingly provide information, right? For those, those workers to make decisions easier. Um, I often think that we, we think about, we, you know, we, we talk about them as frontline workers, um, deskless workers. And then we often think of, of knowledge workers as the people who are, you know, sitting in, you know, a, a regular office or working from home. Those are the knowledge workers and frontline workers are not knowledge workers. But it sounds from what you're describing and what we're seeing in the market is that increasingly, you know, frontline workers are knowledge workers as well, right? They just happen to be deskless. I, I completely agree with that. And I think, um, I think there's a, that line is blurring, right? I mean, frontline workers, we, we need people to, to pick orders. You know, we need people to do that work that makes our, that's the lifeblood of those companies, right? And the knowledge workers, if we can provide them with, let's say, tablets that allow them some mobility so they can be out with those workers and, um, you know, having a tablet to see how the loading of their 50 doctors is doing, right? And if I know that I have a problem, that application on that tablet says, hey, there's a problem at doctor three, I can go over there and work with those workers to figure out what the problem is, correct the situation, maybe do some training, and hopefully, you know, um, you know cut that off at the pass, right? Um, and, and traditionally, those type of dashboards were at a desk, right? They were, yep. you were tied to a, a laptop, you were tied to a, a PC, right? And, um, you know, I don't know about you, but have you ever tried to carry around a laptop, you know, around the facility? You know, it, it doesn't work and it, you, you ultimately will drop it, right? So what Zebra does is we provide, you know, um, very uh, hardened type of, uh, of technology that's meant to be concrete dropped. You know, it's purpose for that, right? So we have tablets, we have mobile devices, we have things that go in forklifts. All those things are designed to give that deskless worker, whether it's a frontline worker, a forklift driver, a manager, even a you know uh, a site manager, even VPs, you know, access to that information that they need when they need it, right? Yeah, I, I think that's it's a great point, which is, you know, not only do we have to deliver the information to these individuals we have to take into account the fact that they are deskless, right? right? So, and that changes everything. I mean, you mentioned just the the ruggedization or the hardened aspect of it, you know, dropping on the floor, right. but you also, even within these facilities, you may have connectivity issues um, um, and bandwidth constraints. So um, it's very interesting that I, I think most people don't recognize the fact that well, it's not just as easy as saying, okay, we're going to take what we did for our traditional knowledge worker base, and now we're going to replicate that for our deskless worker environment as well. Right. Um, so, John, one of the things we all often like to talk about on this program as well, you know, the, the podcast is called Frontline Innovators. And, you know, a lot of our audience may be 
in those innovation roles within their own organization. I know there are a lot of people listening who would like to be in innovation roles. I mean, you described your role as a dream job, right? And I'd love to kind of hear a little bit about how you got to where you are. Um, you've got a very interesting background. Um, you know, I know you started in the military, so I'd love to kind of just say, hey, where, you know, how did you kind of wind along on your path to where you are today at Zebra? And what are some of the things that you learned along the way that might be interesting to our audience? Well, yeah, it, it's been a it's been a very interesting road. I think if looking back on my career, I would have never been able to plan this, right? I actually started off in the Air Force as a medic um, in the hospitals and um, and learned a lot from there for, about empathy, with all, which I'll talk about here in a little bit. Um, but I actually ended up getting um, cross-trained because I was going to school for computer science and got cross-trained into medical logistics. And, um, you know, so I learned, um, God, this is early 90s, late 80s, right? So I learned um, everything about purchasing inventory control, you know, on a green screen. We didn't have barcoding. We didn't have any of this stuff, right? So I really got to understand um, what was happening at a very, very transactional level, you know, almost ones and zeros, if you will. And um, one of the big events was I had a, a captain that, that um that came into our department. His name is uh, Captain Doug Anderson. He's probably listening today. So, um, and, and he took me out of there. He saw my potential. He said, you know, John, I want you to um, come out of your role. I want you to learn this, the uh, computer system because we had a, a nightly batch processing back then, you know, and um, I learned how to extract the master files or, you know, different files on five and a quarter inch disks and put that information together and create ad hoc reports that helped us become more efficient. So for instance, when we went to go buy something at that time, you might have to go three or four screens to get the, you know, the vendor's model number, you know, the description before you could call up that vendor and actually, you know, place an order, right? So we were able to create reports that put that information together. And actually to the point where I was actually able to start to play with uh, creating X12 or EDI transaction sets. Um, so that really helped me learn logistics, you know, really from the inside out. And um, after I got the Air Force, I went to work for a company that installed medical logistics systems in the hospital systems. So learned a lot about, you know, uh, not only installing hardware, but also um, training, um, uh, process reengineering, you know, go live, that whole nine yards. So, but what, what was kind of the common thread was the empathy that I learned as a medic, right? Trying to really understand, all right, I've been in that position as an upper, you know, warehouse person. What, what do I need to understand in order to make this successful, right? How do I connect the dots? And I think connect the dots is probably the most important thing I do on a day-to-day on a -day basis. Because after that, I had several different infrastructure, you know, project management and application development, you know, roles where I learned about all the different things on the infrastructure side, you know, what it took to stood up a data center, um, networking, all those different things that come into play, as well as what, what it took to build an application. So now I have operations, I have infrastructure, I have application development, and now I come and start coming into this world where, you know, I am um, my role before there was with one of our channel partners as a solution architect. So um, really focused on RFID, barcoding, and printing. Really going out and understanding how do we how do we stop just being a box selling company and start being a solution company. Really understanding that. So these roles have really helped me to get to where I'm at now, Gene. So. Now, when I go and walk a floor and I talk to an operations manager, we have a we have a kindred spirit, right? 
I, I can visualize what they're going through. We can ask questions and have the conversation much like you and I are having today. But I also understand that the solutions that we're proposing, I can talk to IT and understand what that impact is there. What do we need from a technological roadmap or runway to, to get in place before we can actually take care, you know, take advantage of the, some of these solutions. So um, it's, been a, it's been a really uh, good journey, but the fact that I'm, a, I'm, I've kind of dipped in, in several different areas, um, it's given me a, a nice perspective to be able to, uh, to give a very much a 360 degree understanding of my, my client's um, current and to be uh, vision as well as uh, where we can help them along the way. Yeah, it's interesting. You mentioned you mentioned empathy uh, for the users. You mentioned your experience as a uh, as a project manager and program manager, which kind of mm -hmm. goes back to the change management issue you described right. earlier. That seems to be a common thread among many of our guests, right? We've had guests who um, started in uh, in a call center, right, answering phones, and I think mm -hmm. that's another way you you develop that empathy. I think also just having been involved in projects, you understand that complexity that you know, you can think of the great solution, you can design the great solution, but the blocking and tackling of getting that done and, and making sure it's deployed successfully is, is also critical. Um, so I'm, I'm glad you shared that. There was something else too, I wanted to, 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 uh, to mention, John, I know last year, August of last year, you wrote an article, I am Waltenstein. Um, <laughs> You didn't think yes. I, I, I had to find that one. So um, I, I'd love you to talk about that because I thought that was a great uh, article. Um, just share a little bit with our, our listeners about, you know, what what you kind of said in that and, and why you wrote it. Well, sure. That was um, so I was laid off from my last position because, um, you know, the, with the with that pandemic, um, you know, we had to cut costs and. Um, it was a it was a business decision that I respect and um, but it was a frustrating time right uh, trying to find a position you know in the pandemic um, is, is not an easy easy task right but I actually uh, hired a a coach uh, to help me kind of beef up my my resume but more or less really more to beef up my LinkedIn profile and understand that it's okay to target what I want to be able to do right and it's okay to embrace the different influence that I that I have. So I am Waltenstein um, takes into account my my influencers that I kind of look at with uh, with Walt Disney and his creativity and Albert Einstein with with that level of creativity, both from kind of a left and a brain, and how that you're you're influenced by um, by different different places, whether it's family, whether it's a mentor, and, and it's okay to understand that and know who you are. And to, and to go for it, right? Um, this coach really helped me understand, um, you know, what are the, who, who do you want to work for? What do you want to do? Um, go for what you want to do. Don't just try and find another job, right? And, and it's okay to do that. Um, so I'm, I'm really, I'm really glad that you brought that up, Gene. That was, um, that was something that just kind of flowed out of me at that time, because I was, I was a little frustrated, but I also had made that decision that, you know, just because it's a pandemic, it's hard to find a job. I, I know that I know what my worth is, and um, and your listeners also should know what their worth is, and and understand, you know, what what your what's what your DNA is made up of, right? Take that and go and do what you want to do. Um, don't just go and do what you think you have to do. Yeah. There, there's people out there that um, like zebra, 
that um, that saw my potential, and um, and it's worked out wonderfully. Yeah, I think that I, as I said, I thought it was a great uh, a great article. I'm glad you kind of shared that story. I'm glad you kind of wrote that. You know, it's very interesting. I think there's many of us, including myself, who you know, find themselves you know potentially kind of mid career or or even just past mid career, and kind of saying, well, where where am I going with this? Where do I want to go? Right. And what do I want to do? Uh, it's also a common thread we've heard from others on this on this on this program, which is sometimes you've kind of got to help define a job for yourself. Right. What right. What is it that that I want to be doing and, and how do I either create that in the company that I'm working in or find something that that really matches to, to my passions and my skills? And I think that's kind of what you articulated there. Uh, yeah, so that was and, great. And, and please feel free to uh, to share that post with your listeners. I would I would be honored. We would we will definitely do that. Uh, absolutely. So one of the last things I'd like to ask you, um, John, having worked in technology for pretty much your entire career now, mm -hmm. um, I've got it's a two part question, which is what do you love about working in technology and what do you hate about it? <laughs> I'll, I'll let you take either one of those in either order you want to. So what I love working about technology is I really love working shoulder to shoulder with my customers, whether that be clients or even internal to Zebra and working together to figure out how do we help somebody realize their, their objectives without overselling something, right? How do we become true partners? And, and that's what I think um, I love most about my position here at Zebra is I am free to be a partner with my customers. Um, you know, I know, I know our hardware. I mean, I, I don't know it to the nth degree that our system engineers do, but I know we have the hardware to back up, you know, a vision for a customer, right? And I also know that I'm free to, um, to leverage our very strong um, ISV, our independent software vendors, you know, for their solutions, as well as just, you know, be aware of what's going on in the industry, you know, like what you're doing, what we're doing today, Gene. Um, so, so just really just helping our customers along their, along their journey is extremely gratifying. Um, so I get to travel a lot. What I hate, I hate expense reports, Gene. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's probably the, the thing that I hate, that I hate the most. Um, and, uh, sometimes I hate missing my flight and spending a lot of time in the airport. But other than that, um, I, I love, I love the journey and I love, um, when you're, when you get through a journey and you're, um, you have your ups and downs with your customers and you're, you know, having some heated arguments. And at the end of the day, you come together and you, you see a vision come to reality that, 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 uh, that, that makes me uh, feel very, very satisfied. Yeah. Well, I, it's, it's obvious how much you are passionate about technology. Actually, you're, it's, it's really, you're more passionate about your customers, I think, and solving right. problems. And I think, those of us, I share the same perspective as you do, which is it's about solving problems, right? It's not necessarily about the technology itself. And, and John, I really appreciate you coming on the, the podcast and, and sharing um, your expertise and your, and your passion with, with me and the audience. Um, I know folks, if, if you want to uh, reach out to, uh, to John, he's on LinkedIn. You can find him there. He's on Twitter at uh, John Track, T-R-A-C. So John, J-O-H-N-T-R-A-C. Um, 
Uh, and then I'm sure you can find much more information about Zebra uh, and their solutions from their website. Um, so John, uh, thank you again. I really appreciate your time. Thanks, Gene. This was wonderful. I appreciate your, your time as well. Thank you. Yeah. And I hope everyone listening has found this conversation as enlightening as I have. Uh, if so, please share and rate the podcast. Um, Five-star ratings help ensure that it gets promoted to other professionals like you that are innovating on the front lines. Uh, a reminder, this podcast is sponsored by Skillful, the mobile digital adoption platform for deskless and frontline workers. You can visit the Skillful website at skillful.com. That's skillful, S-K-Y-L-L-F-U-L.com. And if you or someone you know is out there innovating on the front lines, we'd love to hear about it. Please reach out to me on LinkedIn and share your story. And until then, see you on our next episode. Thank you.